What if we brought a ritual and a sacredness to the transition of day into night, of masculine into feminine, of dominance into submission, or whatever this sort of scenario that you want to create, and you bring that in a ritual sense, like that could mean I'm going to completely change clothes, take a shower, wash off the day, and start lighting candles. That's going to help me drop into my sensuality and connect me to my femininity. Hello, and welcome back to A Sharper Life, the podcast that will ignite your passion for personal growth and empower you to live a life of purpose and fulfillment. I am your host, Nikki Sharp, a two-time best-selling author, wellness expert, and transformation coach, and I am here each week to guide you on a transformational journey that will help you unlock your full potential. So each week on A Sharper Life, we bring you captivating interviews with renowned experts, thought leaders, and inspiring individuals who have achieved extraordinary success in various aspects of life. From health and wellness to improving your career, your relationships, having better sex and mindset, spirituality, we explore strategies, insights, and stories that will propel you into unlocking your greatest potential. So by subscribing to A Sharper Life podcast, you will gain wisdom that can truly transform your life. And I hope that you are already subscribed. If not, please do. And don't forget to leave a five-star review and what you enjoy about the podcast. This helps me know what you're liking, what you're not, and also it helps other people find the show. So today is one of the most juiciest episodes we have to date on A Sharper Life. And I am thrilled to introduce Kimmy Inch, who is a professional dominatrix, a somatic therapist, sex-positive edutainer, and a motivational spanker. And yes, she is all of those things and so much more. So Kimmy helps individuals explore and integrate their physical, emotional, and erotic experiences in transformative ways. And as a somatic therapist, Kimmy brings a deep understanding of the mind-body connection to her practice. So she's honed her skills in supporting clients to develop greater body awareness, regulate their emotions, and heal from past traumas, all having to do with kink and conscious kink. So as mentioned, this is one of the juiciest interviews I've done, and I'm going to tell you why. We are talking about BDSM and everything from soft examples to harder examples, tantra, what conscious kink is. We're talking about how these practices can actually heal your past trauma and wounds and how they can create greater intimacy both for you and your partner. You will also learn how these specific practices and things that Kimmy shares can empower you in your everyday living. So everything that we are going over, it is not just secluded to the bedroom and it's not just for erotic or passion purposes. You're going to learn how speaking up in the bedroom will help you to speak up in your life. We are also talking about common misconceptions and misunderstandings about the BDSM world, the sub-dom roles, and when it comes to masculine and feminine energy, the, the line when it gets blurred and how to step into being a leader or a follower, which is a really beautiful way she talks about these things. We're also going over about, I mean, everything from how to approach your partner on how to find good kinky fetish parties. This is such a deep, informative episode. And I'm just going to tell you now, whatever you think BDSM is, whatever you think kink is, or any of these sexual and sensual practices, this episode is going to blow your mind because it is everything that you thought it is and so much more because there are so many preconceived notions that are actually incorrect. And we get into all the nitty gritty of the foundations in order to have these mind blowing experiences, but it is so much more than just sex. So I really hope that you listen to the end because Kimmy is also sharing her favorite book on what to read in order to learn more and ways that you can live a sharper life when it comes to all of these practices. So without further ado, here's Kimmy Inch on A Sharper Life. 
Kimmy, I am so excited to have you on A Sharper Life. Thank you so much for coming on. And from what I know, you're going to be sharing all of your wisdom. So I wanted to get started with actually getting a, a little bit of an understanding of how you became so interested and I would say passionate about somatic, somatic therapy and the intersection with Tantra, kink, and the PD, BDSM practices. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. It's so exciting to be here with you. I love that we're these two blonde doms. I, I feel like there's a little bit of a dom in you somewhere. And what I've seen and witnessed in you is you're a very powerful woman. So I'm excited for us two blonde doms to have a conversation. And, um, you know, I got turned on to what's considered kink um, back when I was 10 years old, watching a movie called Basic Instinct uh, with my mom. How awkward is that? Um, and she turned to me and said, you know, you shouldn't watch this. And I, I remember so vividly in that moment, like just a rush of feelings and hormones and chemicals and all of these things started happening within my body, this chemical reaction that made my heart race and made my privates tingle and made, you know, um, made me sweat and blush. And I remember just feeling this sense of aliveness in that moment and was always intrigued by what is that? Like, what is going on in my body when I'm witnessing, you know, some of this sexual activity happening in this movie, but also sort of this like violently sexual activity happening in this movie. And when I started experimenting with sex, I was in high school with the first boyfriend of first love. And we started having sex probably two times in, I was like, Oh, God, is this it? And I immediately was like, Hey, let's tie each other up. And why don't you slap me or let's pretend to be different people. And he was 16 years old. So he was just happy to have sex at all and was like, why do you need this weird shit? And I was, I didn't really know why, you know, we weren't learning that in sex ed. I was learning how to not get pregnant, how to not get an STD. And that was the extent of what I was learning about sex education, you know? So I didn't know why I wanted these things, but I knew I wanted more than just the sort of penetrative missionary, you know, in bed with the lights off sort of experiences. It wasn't until I moved to Japan, I was DJing at the time, and I started to get asked to DJ at fetish parties. And before then, you know, I saw Pulp Fiction. There's this part, they say, bring out the gimp. And I was like, ooh, no, thank you. That's a, that's a little scary for me. But when I went to this fetish party, I completely rewrote the, the mind frame that I had around kink. And I realized in that moment, as I'm watching people engage in this really creative, imaginative way, they're dressed to the nines, they have these different outfits, and they're, they're, you know, doing things with sensations and impact and language. And I was just enthralled. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm kinky. Like, I'm kinky. Um, and while I was there, I met women who were professional dominatrixes because they go to these fetish parties and we became friends. They took me under their wing and I started doing my own dominatrix sessions. So like the rest was history. I traveled throughout Asia and Europe and I was um, working as a dom, learning from different mentors. And when I came back to my hometown, New York City, I started teaching women to become professional dominatrixes and that just sort of took off and then 50 shades of gray came out and then it took off even more. And I decided to go back to school to study somatic therapy because I started to feel into what was happening in these sessions were so focused on body sensations and breath and sound and wanted to understand how we could use this more as a healing modality by really fully engaging our bodies in, you know, a really healthy, positive relational experience. So I started learning somatic healing and, and therapy so I can incorporate those techniques into my sessions with my clients. And, and since then, you know, I've incorporated other things like, you know, Tantra and other sacred sexuality practices. And it's just been a really beautiful um, experience to bring this more to the world in a really beautiful way. I love that. And I love that it started with basic instinct. I feel like that's, I the, like that's the quintessential movie. I actually didn't even see that movie until like a year ago. And, wow. and my husband was saying, yeah, the, the one scene is his favorite ever. And I was like, yeah, okay. I, I, I get it. And there is such a 
a power in what Sharon Stone is doing that. And I'd love, we could actually even go into that. But before we continue, for those people listening who might have no idea, or maybe they've heard this terminology and it's just totally scared them, what's the difference between kink, conscious kink, and something like BDSM? Yeah, great questions, because I'm sure people hear the word kink and all kinds of images can pop into your brain. And the terminology for kink that I really appreciate was inspired by Jaya Ma, who created the erotic blueprints. And I've expanded on that definition, which is basically kink is being turned on by what you consider to be taboo, what you consider to be taboo, your religion, your culture, society, um, and when it comes to that experience, you know, if you think of wanting to share a desire or a fantasy with a partner and you feel a little shy about it and you think, oh gosh, this is kind of naughty. Can I say it out loud? Essentially, there is an element of taboo in that desire, in that fantasy, and hence makes it uh, kinky. So if we're going to compare something like kink to vanilla, vanilla would just be Um, more around functional sex. And the functional sex is like, I have sex to have a baby. I have sex to have an orgasm. I have sex to connect with my partner. It's not as exploratory. When we talk about something like conscious kink, it's the same thing, except that conscious kink has a more emphasis around the intention of playing. So why are we playing? And it usually goes beyond just pleasure. Hopefully pleasure is a part of it, but it usually goes beyond pleasure and can move into areas of like, I want to do conscious kink because I want to do some shadow work, or I want to go to greater depths of intimacy with my partner, or I want to work on things that are unconscious um, in my life. And there's just an idea that the connection is more important than the experience. So really emphasizing that intimacy and that connection is an important part of conscious kink. And then BDSM is just under that umbrella even more so, which stands for bondage and discipline, domination, submission, sadism, and masochism. And those are those four words that any role or activity under those four words is considered BDSM. So interesting. most people, yeah, yeah, they get, they get, they, they feel like it has to be this intense whips and chains and leather and it's the hardcore and it doesn't have to be that way everything is on a spectrum Mm -hmm. so you can do kinky and bdsm activities in a really light playful sensual sort of way or you could do that hardcore classic kind of you know dark gothic style of kink and bdsm but you get really you get to really make it your own i love that and i was actually going to say i feel like Mm -hmm. so many people even just hear the word BDSM and it probably triggers something because as you're saying, it's taboo. What is an example as we're going along there of something that's more on the lighter side of kink versus, and I'll I'll give an example here, but I'm curious to hear yours, like the show Billions, um, Chuck Rhodes, where he, he goes and he gets chained and whipped and it's, it's pretty intense masochist, but from your experience and, working with clients, what is the the softer side of the kink going up to things that you, I would say, I don't want to say perform, but do with clients or you've experienced? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Because oftentimes if someone tells me like, oh, I'm, I'm not kinky, I like to say, well, think of kink as a way of having representation of different themes, universal themes. So In a kinky or erotic encounter, there tends to be these reoccurring themes that show up. Themes around power, themes around surrender, sex, um, you know, control, like pain, pleasure, like all of these sort of themes that are within kink and are thought of as a part of kink are as a part of life, essentially. So there's an opportunity to take these universal themes, bring it into an erotic setting and actually be able to play within it uh, in a way that can really expand a person. So when we think about like what is the lighter side of kink, I like to think of feeling into the energetics of kink because you know erotic play can be very energetic and people get really focused on you know inserting slot A into slot B and this is this is all that's available. But there's this mental aspect, there's this emotional aspect, and again there's this energetic aspect where I can really have a sort of um, 
erotic encounter with someone without even actually having to touch them. We don't even have to be in the same room as each other. And what that provides is an opportunity to expand people's minds around what their pleasure can look like and what connection can even look like. And to me, I think that's really exciting. Oh, I love that. And going into, I, I took the, the Jaya Blueprint quiz and I actually studied yeah. with her, which was phenomenal. And I'm, I'm someone, I love the touch, the sensation. So for me, it's putting a blindfold on and, and having different sensations. But what I would love to hear your input in is I feel like so, so many women that I speak to come home or let's say, you know, the man comes home or even if the woman comes home and they just want to be like slammed against the wall and, and fucked <laughs> for lack of better terms, right? That kind of passionate. And I know in men, it can be the, I've been dominant in, in my work all day. I don't want to then do that when I'm going home. What's the role that you see with women and men for, it's almost like this power grab release hold that I, I feel so many women struggle with being able to share that to their partners. Like, Hey, I just want you to like come from behind and hold me tight, that sort of thing. What's your experience with that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because I see that um, sort of dynamic happening all the time. And what I like to do is sort of use some um, terminologies that I've coined. I don't really do so much around dom, sub, language, top, bottom, et cetera, sadist, masochist. I like to use something called leader follower. And why I like to use leader follower is because when we think of dom sub, there tends to be a hierarchical viewpoint of that dynamic. And there can also, in some regards, if it's unconscious, can be some codependent um, dynamics that play out in the dom sub um, sort of exchange. And when we talk about leader follower, we're opening it up from codependency to co-creativeness. So often I hear, yes, so, so true. I have women coming to my classes and they're like, where are the men? I want to be dominated, you know? And the men are like, God, I, I like work so hard and I'm coming home. It feels like a big weight on my shoulders. And so I started to say, let's play with this language around leader and follower, because if we are starting to think of it as a co-collaborative dance, where we're both responsible for our own pleasure and we're both responsible for contributing to the magic of the scenario, just like tango, just like a salsa, both people are needed to create that dance and both can be masterful. So I get curious with the women who want their men to step into that leader or dominant role. And I say, what if your man, instead of the dom or leader, he was the artist and you were the muse? How do you inspire him and how do you create invitation in your femininity how do you create the invitation of like you know i want you to bring forward your artistry and your power and your leadership and like take me on this adventure you know i i don't teach about sex education i talk about erotic adventures um and i'm not the dr ruth at all i'm more about like how do we create, get into our creativity and create not only the sex life of our dreams, but the life of our dreams. And I want to empower both partners in order to create exactly what they want to experience, which is usually more pleasure, more depth, more connection, more intimacy. So we start off with having a conversation. We use something. I'm going to give you and your audience a link to my kink checklist, which is a really amazing tool that isn't, the name is deceiving. It's not just a checklist that you go through like, oh, Nikki, do you like spanking? Yes or no? Okay. Nikki, do you like bond? Okay, cool. Like, oh, no dirty talk. Okay. Let me cross that off. Like, that's not how we do the checklist. It's more of an opportunity to really dive into each other's psyche and start developing the manual of me and the, ma the manual of you. So we can bring our fuck yeses together and create some fireworks together. Oh God. I'm just, I'm like getting lit up just from hearing ah, this. I love it. And I actually want to share and I'll, I'll share with the audience too. I when behind the scenes before we started recording, I said, I wasn't going to make this about me at all, <laughs> but I, I do want to give this example based on what you're talking about. And, and then actually this is going to be a, a kind of tail end question about the Dom mm -hmm. sub and you can explain what that means. So for Valentine's day, my husband and I were supposed to go just to a nice dinner, get all dressed up. And I just wasn't feeling that well that day. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about what do I want to do instead? And just as you're, you're speaking, I'm really actually reflecting on this, that I was very 
conscious with what's the experience that I wanted to give him and I. So I love that it's the dance, the, the tango together. And so I ended up doing a kind of sensory thing where he came home and I put sticky notes all over the apartment where wow. he had to, the first one was, you know, come inside. There was music, 50 shades of gray playing on in the background. And then yeah. there was the wine and I, it was decanted. And I said, pour a glass of wine. I want you to smell it and savor it before you take a sip. And then mm. it said, take a sip. And I, I led him throughout the apartment and then I had him go in the bathroom I said, freshen up, you know, for your, your goddess. And so he did that. And then as he came, um, and I had him like go to our window and I said, you know, taking the view, taking the magic of where we live. So really bringing in all these different things. And then as he got to the door, it said, you have to knock twice before I say enter. And, and I, I have a question for you. That's why I'm sharing this. And then he came in and I was blindfolded wearing a really sexy red lingerie with heels for Valentine's day. And there was a note at the foot of the bed that said, kiss me anywhere you like. And so it started with this just like delicious sensory overload. And for me, I'm getting all tingly, just waiting. And so my question then, as you led the, the podcast with that, I'm more of a, a, dom, a dom goddess. So can you reflect mm -hmm. on, because now that I'm thinking about that, I'm like, that does sound very much like the dominant or the leader without me. I wasn't intending to be the leader, but I also know that so many people get, and especially men kind of scared of being the quote unquote subordinate or the follower. But yet I realized in this experience and why I share it is there, there wasn't, I mean, yes, I was the leader, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like this co-creation in a sense. So can you talk about the dom sub leader follower role a little bit more? You, yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to say, uh, you're a keeper, Nikki. You're, <laughs> she's a keeper, folks. Like she is, uh, wow, that is a very lucky man. And I loved hearing that uh, description. Thank you for sharing. You know, what this brings up uh, in me as you're sharing is that I think quite classically people associate dominance just with masculinity and submission just with femininity. So this is a really good thing to bring up because just like masculine and feminine energy that creates the polarity, so does dominance and submission. So does leader and follower. That creates that juicy um, dynamic that has that little bit of tension in it. You know, if you have too much tension, it's going to be total conflict and chaos. If you don't have enough tension, it's boring and there's no sort of, um, you know, spiciness or energy there. So when we talk about dominance and submission, I want your audience to know that dominance can have a very feminine flavor or it can have a masculine flavor and submission, same thing. It can have a very feminine flavor and it can have a very masculine flavor. And for those of your audience that don't like terminologies like feminine and masculine, just think of active and receptive. So the woman, you know, who is enticing her lover through this maze of notes and is bringing her deeper and deeper into her world and in, into her web of, um, you know, magic and, and eroticism, that is a very feminine sort of um, approach that you're describing. Yes, you are doing some instruction. You're saying, take a sip of the wine, try this, try that. And there's also what I'm hearing, an element of like, let me bring you into my void. Let me bring you into my space. That is a very feminine invitation of let me bring you into something as opposed to, I'm just going to do a bunch of stuff to you, which is the more masculine, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to spank you. I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to command you, things like that. So we can play in that fluidity a little bit. And I've also noticed, you know, people who have done a lot of sort of personal development work and a lot of healing of their own sort of psyche and their own soul, they tend to have a fluidity around how they approach the erotic. Those that are like, I am dominant and I would never, never be submissive. And I'm like, wow, but you want your partner to be submissive. Like, do you feel the energy of that and how your, um, sort of judgment around being submissive that you would never do it, but want your partner to do it. That creates an energy there that is almost like we're going to rely on each other to fill each other up. Like I need you to be submissive to me so I can fe feel powerful or I need you to dominate me because I don't know how to let go in my life. I don't know how to surrender. 
um, because, you know, for whatever reason. So what you're describing is this like healthy fluidity. And when I'm playing with my partners after 20 years of, you know, doing this work, there can be ways that the, the lines get a little fuzzy around, oh, wait, 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 who's leading now? Or, oh, I, I kind of feel like she was leading a second ago, but now he is. Like, it gets kind of fuzzy. And I want to help people embrace that you don't have to stay rigid in these concepts to really be able to move in energy and flow with energy creates that dance. Like you see a tango, the guy is leading. And then all of a sudden the woman smacks the guy in the face and is like, I'm here, you know, like I am here with you. And that can be also played out in any erotic setting as well. So not getting locked into that, um, rigidity and keeping it really in flow and knowing that dominance and submission are not exclusive to any type of feminine or or masculine energy. I love that. And I was listening to another podcast where you were giving examples about men that you had worked with specifically. And I'd love for you to share those because there, there was, I mean, two different ones you gave and I'll let you tell it obviously as it's your experience, but they resonated so deeply with me. And I know if they did with me, they, they will with the audience. So would you be willing to share, share the examples that you gave? Sure. You know, um, for men who have, um, resistance to stepping into the idea of being in the follower position for whatever reason, whatever stigma, stigmatized reason, I had a play party and a couple had approached me and she had seen me work with a lot of different people before. And she's like, I really want you to work with my partner. I want him to experience this idea of surrender and letting go. And I was like, I would be happy to. And he's like, oh, I'm nervous. He, he gave me his boundaries. He told me like what he's not available for. But essentially, he was really worried about being emasculated. And that was something he was not available for. And I assured him that that was not what my intention was of meeting him in that place, because I don't need him to surrender and order for me to feel good. What I want to do is meet him where he's at and expand him from that place. So we set up a scene where I told him, you are, imagine that you're in ancient times and that you are a warrior coming home from war. And in the ancient times, before men can be reunited with their families and reunited with their friends and society, they would have to stop at the temples. And the temples is where the priestesses would be to meet and greet the warriors who came back from their long journey of being at war. And what the priestesses would do is that they would help the soldiers unarmor. And they would do that literally by taking off their armor and and, uh, dressing their wounds and bathing them and cleaning them. But they would also do it energetically. These priestesses would bring in the men and they would use a variety of tantric and kinky techniques to help energetically de-armor them and help them return to their hearts again. They would do this by making love to them, by giving them sensual massage, by using impact play like spanking, and they would do that to move energy in their bodies and reconnect them to themselves. And after the the soldier was reconnected to their hearts and, and their armor could be shed, they were able to go back home again. And it was such a beautiful experience that I brought this man through with that, that context of like, let me de-armor you. Like the war is over. Let me help you return to your heart. And when we are attending to you, it's not to emasculate you. It's to remind you that as a man, you're taught at a very young age that unless you're doing for others, you have no value. And I'm here to tell you, you have value because you exist and you breathe. And we want to give you an opportunity to surrender so that you can be taken care of and get back to yourself again. Um, he was in tears by the end of this, this scene. And he was like, I had no idea it could be like that. And I felt so loved and cared for. And I felt really respected as a man and felt really appreciated as a man by the way you and my partner interacted with me in that way. So this is just an example of like how that journey can look and and really feeling into what is the intention of this play that we're creating. It's not for me to control you or or minimize you. If anything, I want to connect you to your brilliance and your greatness and and help you feel like you, you know, you have more access to what you want in life. Mm. Yeah. It's just so, that's so juicy. And I'm wondering if there's any examples for women on, on Mm. with that, but what's coming up for me as I, I listen to that is it almost reminds me of like when a 
and I'm going to just speak for myself because I'm married, I'm in a heterosexual relationship and I understand there's people in all different flavors in the world. So I, I'm yeah. just going right, to speak for myself here, but it does remind me of like when my husband comes home from work, I, I can see how even that intentionality or creating a practice, be it with me or by himself, like the importance of leaving work at home so that he can show up in a different role for me and and vice versa. That's something I've really learned is when he comes home, I want to be in that for me, that more feminine relaxed because I bring a lot of masculine energy to my work. And so I just, I love the, just that example. And when it comes to these practices do they apply to our everyday lives? Like I can assume that someone probably hears the word kink or BDSM and they think it's all, yeah, like whips and chains. And yet I feel like it probably applies, especially with the learning to let go, applies to our everyday lives. Is that true? Right. So, you know, what what I like to try to use conscious kink for is uncovering what's unconscious and bringing it into consciousness. And even if those things are shadowy or a little painful, how do we infuse pleasure into those places? You know, when we grow up in a society that makes us believe that blood, sweat and tears is always the way, how do we bring a feminine approach of grace, ease and elegance, even in an erotic setting and giving people an opportunity to have a bodily visceral experience of something that can be really locked in and they can say like, wow, if I can feel this, or do this in this erotic space, why can't I do it in the rest of my life? I'd love to give an example of a woman that I was working with. She was seeing me because she had always really wanted to experience this concept of surrender. And she hadn't had an orgasm in years. And she was like, I don't know what's going on, but I've always like, you know, wanted to just feel like someone could really take me through an experience where I can let go. And I was doing an intake with her. My intakes are two hours long minimum. And I'm asking her her specific desires and boundaries. So what is she available for? What she's not available for? But I start asking her, like, what were your impressions around sex, around intimacy, around relationships when you were a kid? Like, what was discovering your body like for you? Did it feel like it was a supportive household for that? And she was like, no, like, actually... Um, I came from a really religious background. And when I started discovering that it felt good to rub my genitals on my pillow, like I would hump my pillow, it would make me feel really good. But if my mom would catch me doing that, she would scold me, she would, you know, spank me, she would punish me. And, um, you know, I would keep trying to do it because I just loved how it made my body feel. But the pain of being, you know, judged and, and rejected by my mother each time it happened was so painful that eventually I stopped doing it. And in my back of my head, I'm like, oh, gee, I wonder why you have problems having orgasms when you're being taught at such a, a, a you know, develop, developmental age that it's bad, it's wrong, and it's not good. You'll be um, sort of ostracized for it. So I just locked that up in the back of my head. We co-create this scene together. And as we're going through the scene, it's been a couple hours, I'm taking her through you know, sensation play and impact play. And we're using this language where I'm sort of, you know, um, this dominant queen that's taking her through a process to become a priestess. So I just mentioned the story about a man going through the process of being with priestesses. I also take women through the process of being priestesses. So I'm taking her through this process. I'm telling her I'm training her to do this. And at one point, I have her kneeling on the end of my canopy bed. I tie her knees apart to each post. I tie her hands to each corner of this bed. And I start pushing pillows between her legs. And she is like, oh my gosh, you can see the look in her eyes like, what the fuck is happening right now? And I tell her, in order to become a true priestess, you have to have access to your pleasure. And you have you were built and wired for pleasure and it's your birthright. So I want to see you move yourself on these pillows. So she's, you know, humping the pillows. I'm watching her. And as she's doing it, I'm telling her, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. You're a goddess. Your body is um, meant to have pleasure. You deserve, you are worthy. She's crying. She's orgasming. She hasn't orgasmed in years. And she's having this like really a big emotional release and an orgasmic release as she does it. 
Um, after that was over, we were doing aftercare, we were cuddling, we were talking and she was having a download in that moment of like, I was, you know, programmed and conditioned to believe a lie. And now I see the truth. And now as I go out into the world, I'm going to know that I'm worthy and that I have everything I need within, within myself. And I don't need anyone outside of myself to give me my pleasure. I have access to my pleasure. And that was basically what her brain that that sort of the neuroplasticity needed to have an experience of connection and um and having that relatable experience with another human that contact is what really shifted and rewired her brain and rewrote that story and that belief system that was keeping her from having the orgasmic life she deserved wow yes i mean so many things coming up for me. Yeah. We could do this. Could be like a three-hour podcast. I so wish it was. Have me back. Then. I will. I will. <laughs> oh my god! Because it, you know what I'm taking from that too is I can only imagine the power that she got from that, and then probably I won't. You know, I won't speak for her, but being able to take that power into maybe the workplace and speaking up for herself, or into the relationship and saying, "I don't want this," or "I do want this," and so. I guess the follow-up question there is how do these how do these practices kink conscious kink BDSM tantra how can they help someone who's had a traumatic childhood or someone who's raped or you know they don't mm -hmm. trust their partner or they've you know a variety of reasons they've been verbally mentally abused so how do these practices heal that trauma that we all have really whether it's big T trauma or little T trauma, all of it's really valid. And being um, open to exploring our eroticism is really like a pathway to understanding and knowing ourselves better, um, no matter what your history has, has held and where it's sort of pushed you. And when I think about when we're exploring eroticism, it's like a reclamation of our bodies and our soul, but it's also like a giving of permission. Like what I did in that scene with that man and that woman was give them permission, but who the fuck am I, Nikki, to give anybody permission, right? But I'm, it's a reminding of like, this is a, a something that's available to you that most of us have been programmed to be distant from. The powers that be don't want us to know that we have all the pleasure locked inside of our, our bodies and that we have everything we need within ourselves. So we're sort of, you know, uh, facing an uphill climb because we don't have, we don't live in a society that supports this sort of exploration, but it truly is the most important exploration you can do is really like taking a look at our eroticism. And if there has been some trauma or pain in the past, then it's also important to start creating experiences at the pace that works for you in a, in a way that feels like you can trust again. But when we're doing things like figuring out how to co-create a conscious kink scene, what we're doing actually is learning how to trust ourselves again and trust our partners again and trust other people again, because we're using communication. We're using the ability to connect to our hearts and say, like, what do I need and what do I want to feel safe and to feel connected and to have pleasure with you? And it's, an, it's a sort of an exploration into yourself and it's a doing it with a partner that helps you to create the skills and the tools in order to go take this beyond the bedroom and take it out into your career, out into your family life. So what we're learning and what I'm teaching in kink is like, you know, creating a foundation of self-trust because when you have that self-trust, then you know how to navigate with life. You can reconnect to your truth. You can reconnect to your creativity. And people with trauma, um, having a, a sort of a, a doorway into recreating the foundations they need in order to, you know, once you have that foundation set, what do you want to build on top of it? You can build the mansion. You can build the castle. You can build the treehouse, whatever feels good. But it's, you know, a metaphor for like, how do we reconnect to our bodies, reclaim it, have self-trust again and have trust in the world so that we can create the life of our dreams. Mm. So mm. just so juicy. And yeah. everything that you say in my mind goes into like five different sub. It's like a tree. Every, every little <laughs> sentence you say, it's like tree branches growing. I'm like, I want to ask this question and that. So I'm definitely going to have you back on, but I'd love <laughs> to go into, it's kind of a two-part question here of yeah. what do your sessions look like? So Let's mm -hmm. say I come and I, I 
want to either just explore and play my own kink, my own whatever taboo subject that it's like, ooh, that's kind of fun and exciting, but maybe scary. So what does that look like for someone once they've done the intake with you in terms of like setting the boundaries, things like that? And Mm -hmm. then the secondary thing would be, do you and the client's orgasm climax i'm assuming that's not the goal but mm-hmm. is is with that i mean it's a buildup of energy and tantra so is that what ends up happening or is it you're really focused on on the client for them to experience their own pleasure or whatever it may be yeah these are great questions and after that process of you know doing some intake with the client getting really clear on the goals and 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 yes clear on desires and boundaries of course you know we're we're really clear on that before i even really start putting things into action, I actually like will have sessions that are focused around, let's use some language. I'll use some very descriptive sort of language of like, you know, Nikki, I'm imagining that you're walking into the room and I'm sitting on the chair in this middle of this beautiful room. And it's just mirrors all around us so that you have to see yourself in all of these different um, vantage points. And I'll have you standing there in your beautiful dress and I'll have you slowly strip down and each article of clothing that you take off, tell me what it represents. Tell me what you want to let go of. And as you're taking off these parts of your clothing, I'm making eye contact with you and I'm looking at your beautiful body. And I really want you to feel exposed and vulnerable in that moment. So like what I'm demonstrating is that I could actually sit down with my client or sit down with you and go through in great detail what this could look like. So you can tell me my body feels good when you say that. Ooh, my body went I didn't like that, you know, like, and get a, give your chance um, your body a chance to have some space to feel into like what's coming up and coming through for you, especially someone I'm working with has some trauma in their history. I want to move so slow and I want to keep connecting them to their bodies so that they can communicate with me of like, oh, I noticed a ping here when you said that. Let's uncover that a little bit more. Or, oh, maybe this needs to be adjusted because I don't like the idea of the mirrors and I don't know if I want to do that. So I'm giving us an opportunity to kind of play in the realm of possibility in our imaginations before we really start moving into the scene. Now, let's say we did all that too. What's the next level? We're ready to maybe create this scene together. And before we even start playing, I emphasize on doing a lot of attunement and a lot of drop-in through eye gazing, through sinking our breath, through energy um, play and things like that. So I'll really make sure we feel super, super attuned. And after we've really dropped into um, the space together, I'll start assuming the more authoritative position while you would assume more of the follower position. And I would start guiding our experience based on your goals and based on your specifications around what you're available to explore with me. Now, when it comes to things that feel super sexual, I tend to let clients know that in the first few sessions, and first and foremost, I want people to know that I don't engage in penetrative sex with my clients or um, anything that's genitally focused. But if something was going to be brought in that had more of a sexual nature, like if I was working with a couple, they're welcome to explore sexually with each other. I'm just not going to do anything genitally focused or penetrative with them because I want to show their bodies what's possible that doesn't always have to be penetrative or something that they're you know usually used to. To doing. So when I'm working with clients like that, I'm really focusing on eroticizing the, the emotions, the physical stuff that's not genitally focused. And people do have lots of energetic orgasms. And I'm I and people ask me, are you turned on like when you do this? And I'm like, I, it's impossible not to be turned on. Like I would be doing myself and my client a disservice by um, refusing to allow my own sexual energy to flow in a healthy way. And I want my clients to know just as you are welcome to experience your own sexual energy, I will have mine as well, but I will not make you responsible for my energy and I won't manipulate or take advantage of your energy. So we can have it in this really pure, safe way that creates an opportunity for them to blast off into completely different stratospheres. You know, people do these MDMA journeys and psilocybin journeys and ketamine journeys This is um, the most, I think Eros is the most amazing drug possible. And people can experience that same level of expansiveness 
just like those types of journeys in an erotic setting. So I'm interested in helping my clients expand to that level because from that place, they can sort of rewrite their um, negative patterning and they can feel a sense of oneness and they can let in the unconditional love that's always always with them. And so, yeah, so there, it can be very orgasmic. It's not genitally focused and it's not penetrative sex unless I'm working with a couple and that's stuff that they explore between the two of them. I don't get involved in that aspect of the play. Mm, I, I'm it's like, yum, yum. Yeah, so yes, yes, please to all of it. As you were describing the mirror and everything, I was like, ah, uh, yes, please, and thank okay. you. Uh-huh. And, and especially as you were seeing the, you know, eye gazing and saying how beautiful I am, because for women, especially in that the masculine feminine energy, for for women to really feel that intimacy, it's you want to be seen, you want to feel heard and understood and and literally like as what i'm hearing you say it's like seen both physically and seen with the words that you're saying like i just now i was like damn i i feel really really seen right now which brings about that feminine energy and actually a, a follow up question on that is mm-hmm. as a woman how in this this pra- these practices how can a woman tap into her feminine energy while engaging and how can a man tap into that masculine energy from what you've experienced or you help clients go through? Yeah. You know, part of getting people connected to their energy is a big part of my work. You know, somatically there's a body focus, but in the erotic, it's really like, how do we connect to our energy in our bodies and how do we, you know, move that energy in our bodies? You know, so often, like I said, the feminine is about the lean back around the void, the moon, the, um, let me bring you into the invitation. And the masculine is more of the active, the moving forward, um, you know, and, and if you were just to feel into your own body from your day-to-day mundane sort of tasks, you know, you mentioned that you can be a lot in your dominance or your masculine and that's probably because you know how to get shit done. Right. And you're, you know, you're kind of like, yeah. yeah, in that active state. And sometimes we need that transition period of being like, okay, I'm going to move from one state with consciousness into another state. So often, you know, lovers have come to tell me like, ah, oh, I just can't get into a mindset of, you know, play after work. And I'm like, well, are you giving yourself a, a, like an appropriate amount of time for you and your body to have that transitional period? Because people tend to really skip over the transitions. And what's interesting to me is if we look at nature, you know, it doesn't go from day to night like that. Like there's this whole process of the sunset and how fucking beautiful are sunsets. Like what if we brought a ritual and a sacredness to the transition of day into night, of masculine into feminine, of dominance into submission, or whatever this sort of scenario that you want to create, and you bring that in a ritual sense, like that could mean I'm going to completely change clothes, take a shower, wash off the day, and start lighting candles. That's going to help me drop into my sensuality and connect me to my femininity. Like, you know, the masculine could be, I, I feel like I need to you know, have a workout or maybe go for a jog after work and I need to kind of reset my system. So it's like really kind of connecting to your body and your energy and really feeling into like, what works for me? What are my fire starters? What are my relaxers? What are the ways that I can consciously shift into a new state so that I'm available for the pleasure or for the, you know, the uh, opportunity that awaits me once I'm in that feminine state? And yes, can you infuse that into your day-to-day and your work routine? You absolutely can, you know, have a little timer on your phone. Like what would make this moment even more beautiful? Hmm. Wow. That kind of brings me into a place of femininity of like, Oh, what's beauty to me. And maybe I'll listen to a beautiful song or I'll go see, like look at a beautiful piece of art or something like that, you know, and I'll think about how can I infuse that time with those elements that help me drop into that energy a bit more. Mm, I, I so love that. And it really resonates because I've been focusing recently for the past, I would say many months, but on the word joy and the word Mm. joy has really become this like resonance that drops me into the present moment. And when I'm in the present moment, that's when I feel in my most feminine, like my podcast, I feel actually in my most feminine, even though it's kind of me leading and guiding 
but it's because it's a sense of joy, of awe. And, you know, I can look out where I'm recording and I see the Miami skyline and I see you and I, I just, I'm, I, it's, I'm filled with gratitude. And so when I, when I focus on the word joy and what is joyful about me around my, in my surroundings, it immediately softens. So I love that you were saying that of cultivating that, the presence, really the presence, Mm -hmm. which then, then does that, and I, I so agree in what we were talking about earlier of, you know, people, everyone, man, man and woman need kind of that ritual of getting home and going from one role to another. And I love that mm-hmm. you said that, you know, taking a shower, going for a run or something for that masculine energy, whatever. Dancing, yeah. sensual, sensual movement, you know. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's something for me, like I, I'm, I recognize that if I put on something that makes me feel good when my husband comes home, whether or not I've been wearing that earlier in the day, it actually changes the way that I approach and I I speak with him, which has a, a beauty because of the polarity. But let's go into, so let's say someone's listening and they're really interested. They're like, oh my God, I want to try this, but my partner, there's no way. Or you know, maybe you've tried to bring up something to your partner and they've just said like, hard no. What would you say are the best tips to encourage your partner to open up and try something like this? Yeah, really great question because I have that's probably Nikki one of the number one questions people ask me. It's usually one of the two. It's usually like how do I find a partner to explore with or I have a partner but I don't think they want to do this with me or how do I, you know, how do I get them on board and um what I love to know is if there has been a conversation around exploring in this way and there has been a resistance and hesitation, I get curious around like um, getting really clear on what's standing in the way of what we want. Like that's sort of a practice I do all the time is not just focusing on what do I want, what's standing in the way of what I want. And maybe there's some fear, maybe there's some, you know, really past religious, um, you know, dogma that's standing in the way, or maybe there's um, a misunderstanding happening. So for example, if I were to ask my partner, like, Hey, I would love to set up a date where we're going to just talk about desires and and what we want to like create together erotically and having a conversation with someone around like, what are my desires? What are your desires? And if I say something like, Oh, I'm really curious about you know, maybe trying a little spanking on my partner immediately could have an idea of what that means. And it could be associated with some trauma from his, his or her past. And he's like, I don't want to hurt my partner. That, that sounds awful. Like, I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to pe- make people feel good and feel loved. And I, I could say to him like, oh, you know, while people do use spanking as an erotic punishment, there's a way that I like using spanking that's more around moving energy in a person's body. And I also love the idea of, um, you know, imagining if we're going to do it in a tantric sense that I'm using my heart chakra. So when I'm spanking you with my hands, that's moving through my heart chakra and I'm actually touching you with my heart. And when I'm spanking you, that's actually your root chakra that I'm activating because that's where your root chakra lives. And that's connected to wealth and to security and to trust. So I would love to create flow in that area so we can manifest more abundance in our lives. Like that's how I like using spanking. And my partner might be like, whoa, I didn't even know. <laughs> I, I didn't even know. That that's a thing. I thought I thought spanking was like, you did the dishes wrong, get on my lap, you know? And uh, so so sometimes what my partners are resistant to is an idea of something as opposed to really having the the, the facts and, and really knowing what it is. So sometimes these conversations are important to being like, hey, I want to dig deeper and say like this are, these are the things that I'm desiring. This is this is why I think I'm desiring them. This is what it would look like in a perfect world. Is there a way we can meet in the middle? And if that's feeling like the deep end of the pool for you, then what would be the shallow end of the pool? If you have stuff around spanking, maybe we're not going to really spank or I'm going to use a feather to spank or use a feather on me. You know that's not going to hurt me. Like we can use these little titration uh, techniques to kind of ease ourselves into these different ideas and concepts. And another good thing for couples to remember is that you don't have to do this alone. 
you can actually bring in an expert that can help guide so that both partners feel seen and heard and that can give uh, really good information to help sort of calm the nervous system because it's hard to have pleasure when we have a dysregulated nervous system. So how do we continue to regulate our nervous system so we can be in our adulthood and we can have these conversations in a way that feels really connective and, and supportive to each other? Beautiful. What I'm hearing is that much of these practices, while yes, they are based on pleasure and connection, it sounds like really the foundation is open communication. And so what would you say to someone who doesn't have that with their partner, where their partner maybe shuts down. Cause I'm sure you've encountered that too, of mm-hmm. working, working in a couple and it's, you know, saying like, I'd, I'd really love to spank you and here's why, and what it would mean for me and the other partner, just because of their own trauma or stories, here's something entirely different. And so the communication shuts down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does happen. And having the compassion, you know, um, having the compassion for people's past and their, and their pain and their trauma is a really important aspect. I also ask couples like if there's an hesitation towards even trying to figure out a middle ground or just a, even a small little pinky in the shallow end of the pool, I get curious around, is there any repair that needs to happen within the relationship? Has there been any past ruptures that haven't really fully healed and haven't really fully been acknowledged and worked through, that is also maybe in the way. Again, I'm always asking, what's in the way? What's in the way? What's in the way? Feeling into what's in the way. It's not just, oh, my partner's being difficult. That's not what's in the way. Maybe what's in the way is, yes, there's um, some trust issues within the relationship. Maybe there's some trust issues within the, the individual of themselves that they're struggling with. Is there a possibility for them to get support? Are they open to getting support around that so that you can return to love, you can return to depth and intimacy? And being really clear with your partner around what's the intention. My intention is not to cause harm or to push you further away from me. If anything, I want to be our full authentic selves and see what's possible in this life and what can be created in this life. And I want to share this life with you. So sometimes a partner really needs to have that reassurance, really needs to have a clear understanding of the intention and getting clear on like what is standing in the way and how do we hold that with love and compassion and, and, and through our creativity, see if there's a way to sort of shift and move that so we can get closer together. So again, reminding the audience that we don't have to do this alone. We can get support from outside influences because sometimes it's hard to do it with your partner. You need a, a third party to kind of bring that objectivity, but like, yeah, continuing to get curious and staying in love around how to figure out what's in the way. And once we have a a real clear understanding of that, we can work towards um, moving towards what would bring us more pleasure and and joy. Mm, I I so appreciate everything you're sharing because it's all of these practices and I've practiced many of them, engaged in many of them. I find them incredibly sensual, sexual, beautiful, and they've really helped open up my eyes to just what's being human and, and the realm of emotion and possibility. And so what I'm I'm hearing though, is just the importance of kind of coming back to whether it's you're just dating someone and you've just met them, or you've been together for a while of these practices can be such a healing tool and modality. And it sounds like there's such such an opportunity to also really check in with one another with love and compassion, as you're saying, to see what might be broken or ruptured mm-hmm. in, in the relationship mm-hmm. in order to rebuild that trust. And instead of it being like, hey, let's sit down and talk about this fight we had, it's how do we take that fight and turn it into a more sensual conversation mm-hmm. with a pleasurable outcome at the end. Mm-hmm. Is that, did I hear that correct? Absolutely. Cause, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, all solutions require creativity, right? So if we can drop into our creativity and in the tantric sense, creativity is linked to our second chakra, which is our genitals, right? So, ha, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if we are able to kind of connect to our own erotic and sexual energy, even if it, that doesn't mean it has to play out in a sex way, but, 
um, we're able to also tap into our creativity and, and to uh, see like, oh, how can I create solutions? How can I create more trust? How can I create more flow and ease in this relationship? And getting like connected to that sense of creativity is really powerful. That's how you create the life of your dreams, being creative, you know? 100%. So I'd love to know, Kimmy, what are some books that you are reading now that inspire you and light you up and or any products that you can recommend for people getting into any type of this work that you're like, those are my must have products. Yeah. Thank you for asking. You know, as a Dom, um, your, your tools and your, your toys are very, very important. And I also want to let people know you actually don't need any of the bells and whistles in order to have an amazing experience because what you really need is here, here, and here. So wanting to remind people. But if I were going to recommend um, a, a reputable place to get those floggers and those crops and those handcuffs, etc., cetera, um, one of the best people that I know that um, has the top quality uh, crafted items uh, is called Purple Passion. They actually have a store in New York City, but they have an online store. So take a look at purplepassion.com for all of your accoutrements um, and your bells and whistles to bring into the playroom because they have really quality sort of items there. Um, one of the books that I've read over and over that I recommend to every student interested in going down this path is called Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott and is a beautiful example of how we can eroticize what's unconscious into consciousness and do it in a way that brings us more pleasure. And um, I, I'm just doing a Dom Mastery class with people right now, and I just recommended the book. So people are reading it. I'm rereading it again. And it's just a phenomenal look at, you know, what is kink and how are we kinky all the freaking time? How are you a masochist on a daily basis? What are the terrible sadistic things you say to yourself when you're not being kind to yourself? Like, what are the ways we're already being kinky? And how do we bring that into consciousness so we can have more pleasure and choice around it? So that is definitely one of my top recommendations in a book I just read over and over again. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to read that. I, I yes. love asking this question because I get so much, I've already gotten so much knowledge and tips, but then I'm like, Ooh, let me go even, mm -hmm. even deeper. Um, quick question before the last question, because in the beginning yeah. you were talking about when you went to Japan and yeah. you, you started going to fetish parties. How mm -hmm. does one find a good fetish party? Like I know that they have Les Chanterelles in Paris. I don't know if it's still yeah. going. I've always wanted to go there. And, and for those, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's a very upscale, like you have to wear, men have to wear like suit and tie sort of thing, women, ball gowns, and then really beautiful lingerie. And, and a bunch of my, not a bunch, a few of my friends have gone and they, they've said that, you know, it's, you do as you please, as much as you want, you can be a watcher or an engager, but there, mm -hmm. I also know, um, the kinky rabbit, I believe in LA. So how does one, I was just thinking that kinky okay. rabbit. Too. I haven't, yeah. I haven't been, I found out about mm -hmm. it actually from a client and I'm, and I like have to make a trip to LA, but how does one go about finding these good central parties where they're mm -hmm. reputable and trustworthy, let's say? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. You know, on a large scale, and this is really more of a party party, like they, there's music, you can dance, like, and then they have playrooms. Torture Garden is a really um, well-known brand that started in London and has extended into doing events in, in LA and New York City and different parts of Europe, um, and maybe a few more places in the US. I would definitely recommend keeping an eye on them for the larger, more mainstream sort of gatherings. Now, when it comes to something that feels more intimate, um, you know, I do my own play parties and events because I really enjoy bringing a heart-centered and focused um, aspect to this sort of play. And I have my space set up. So it's just like the erotic blueprints, there's different rooms, energy rooms. So we have the energetic room, we have the sensual room, we have the kinky room, we have the sexual room, we have the shapeshifter room. Wow. So we have, yeah, an availability and we start off with a heart-centered sort of opening ceremony so everyone can drop in together and get really connected to their bodies and themselves and their desires. Um, and we have a closing ceremony to tie it all up. So there's a really conscious way of moving through that. So if that's something that interests you, please reach out to me as well. And um, as far as on a bigger scale, yes, Kinky Rabbit, I hear, has really beautiful events that's happening. And um, 
Yeah, you know, it's not easy always to find the really reputable places. So if you're going on something like FetLife, which take it with a grain of salt, there's a lot of kind of trash on on FetLife. I'll just be honest with you guys. But if you can do a little research and see like, what are some of the events coming to your neck of the woods and see if you can like do a little research around, does it feel like a reputable space? Are people recommending that it's a fun space to check out and see what's maybe happening in your own town or your biggest, closest city? Um, but that could be a good resource. You just have to do a little bit of the, um, you know, uh, research to make sure that it is a good spot to go to. But it's not easy. I'm going to tell you the truth, Nikki. It's not easy to find plentiful erotic um, encounters that are really reputable. I hope we can see that changing in the future. It's why people need to come to you. And I, you know, yes. I, I even <laughs> think these conversations are what will help it get to the mainstream. I had a question I didn't ask for, you know, time's sake because we, we are going over, but it was yeah. just, you know, the, this topic is so taboo in so many places in the world. And I think it's just the more that we can have these discussions with love, with an opening, with compassion, with, and really explaining like what it is, because as you've <laughs> shared and I'm reflecting back, what it is, is actually based on communication. And then you get to go to these upper levels. Mm. So, with that, last question is, what are your top three tips to live a sharper ah. life? Ah, beautiful. Well, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but one of my top three is getting connected to your second chakra, your genitals, is a doorway to your creativity. So my tip for anyone who ever asks, my key to a successful beautiful life is creativity, you know, how you handle conflict and how you, you know, meet challenges and obstacles and how you can stay in your creativity so that you can go beyond, um, you know, what's considered the norm, but you can really kind of think outside the box and navigate things with a lot of ease. Um, second tip, good question. Get a spanking sister. Like, you know, you have that friend that you can vent to. Well, I have friends that I can call and they come over and they give me a good spanking when I need it. And I, I sometimes I just need to move some energy in my body and I need to release some emotion. There's no sexual exchange between us. It's literally them just spanking the shit out of me. And I have the release I need, whether that's a cry or an orgasm. And, and I'm a brand new person. So get, get one of those spanking sisters. Um, and let's see, number three is, yeah, remember there's um, something called the, the illusion of the ego. And the illusion of the ego, this is a Buddhist term. One of them is that we are all separate. And this is just a reminder that that's a disillusion of the ego and that we are not separate. We are connected and there is help. There is love. There is support just awaiting your fingertips. In this era of information, we have more resources than we could ever realize. And sometimes it feels like a really lonely path, but you are not alone and just reach out if you need support. Beautiful. And where can, I mean, you've already mentioned quite a few places and I'll put in the show notes, but where, where would you like to direct people to go to find you or in, interact with you? Yeah. So my website and my company's name is and more. So the website is andmorepresents.com. And you can find some information about the offerings that I have and the work that I'm doing in the world. Um, we have in-person workshops and we have online events and trainings. So we have a lot of different things um, for people who are interested in taking that first step. And please find me on social media. I do a lot of sex education and sex positive um, edutainment there. So it's just at Kimmy Inch. Same with TikTok, same with um, all of my socials. It's all at Kimmy Inch, K-I-M-I-I-N-C-H. Amazing. And I will include the link to the kink, uh, kink downloadable kink that yes, that checklist. Yeah. Thank you so mm -hmm. much, Kimmy. This was fascinating, enlightening, juicy, passionate, all the things. And I'm, I'm so excited to continue chatting with you. And thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review, especially what you enjoy. That helps me to know what you're enjoying on the show. And also it helps other people find the show. And until next week, here's to a sharper life.